it's Monday. Right? Yes, it is. And this week on the Snakes Cast, we're going to be talking about yummy things. I'm Jonathan. I'm Emily. And welcome to this week's series on board games and food. Food. So, I'm not sure if you've noticed this, but I find that when new people who haven't really seen a lot of games before arrive at the cafe for the first time and see that massive array of games on those shelves, anything, any box that has a picture of food on it draws people straight to it like a magnet. Oh, yeah. I mean, everybody eats, right? That's true. Everybody eats. Except for robots. Do robots play board games? No. Everybody eats, right? And everybody has an opinion on food. Like, everybody has stuff that they love and stuff that they despise. I mean, just, like, look at the arguments that people can get in about <laughs> food. I mean, I get into arguments with my partner all the time about the fact that I hate bananas, can't stand them. And it makes him How so angry. Bananas? It makes him what so angry. What is wrong with you? Angry. Why do you hate life? This, Why do you hate everything good in the This isn't a podcast about me. This is a podcast about board games. The thing is, it's, it, there, there's... Food has so much emotion tied to it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's when before you eat, when you get hungry, you're cranky. When you've had a meal, you feel better. It releases all these wonderful feel-good chemicals. Mm-hmm. And food is also, you know, the, the, the act of taking a meal is also a, a, a very human ritual. And it's part of our society. I mean, getting yeah. together with people to sit down and and have a meal together, that's that's a big deal. It's super comforting. And it's, it's one of those things that all people feel like the feeling of like sitting down with somebody to like eat a meal is an intimate thing like whether or not Mm -hmm. you cooked it together or one person cooked it for you even if you just like go and eat a slice of pizza sitting across from each other at batondos or something it's still breaking bread you know yeah obviously you know the part of the appeal of these games about food has to be you know drawing that in as well and it's kind of a weird parallel too because sitting around and making time specifically to spend with your friends sitting around the table sharing an experience together is something that could describe a meal and it can also describe playing a game. Oh, absolutely. So I, I guess it's in, in, in a way it might be more surprising that there aren't more games about food. I've definitely found that there are, while there are not necessarily a ton of games about food, there are so many games with elements of food and cooking right they put pictures of food on there to sort of yeah there's not that many of those but i mean there's so much stuff that involves food on kind of like a micro scale you Mm. know well i guess that's the easiest way to bring food into your game okay let's let's start talking about the games then the the easiest way to bring food into your game is to just use it as oh god i'm about to say this flavor for the game. Yeah, I know. So Eleanor Abbott, the designer of Candyland, was suffering from polio in a hospital bed, and that was where she got her idea for this game. The idea was that she was surrounded by poor kids who had to deal with these awful symptoms, and she wanted something sweet for them to enjoy. You know, there were all these track-style board games like Snakes and Ladders and so on. Candyland took that and just made the spaces really bright and colorful and put different kinds of candy out there, which strangely enough, kids felt more enjoyable than playing the kinds of older Victorian track games that would talk to you about how you should obey your parents and stuff. See, I love that because, you know, us talking about how food is comforting and food is familiar, what arguably is one of the most, maybe the most, if not one of the most well-known games about food, like Mm -hmm. even just tangentially, was literally made to make people feel better. Mm -hmm. Right? That's great. I love it. 
And uh, there are plenty of other games that have taken you know fairly basic approaches like that. Uh, Orchard is uh, sort of a more modern take on that. Haba Games, the company that does those games with the bright yellow boxes. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the best produced German games are made by Haba, and so they make some fantastic kids' games, and Orchard is no exception. Yeah, you're in an orchard and you're picking these like tiny little like sculpted cherries and tiny little sculpted apples and peaches off of a tree and putting them in your little like woven baskets. It's so cute. It's 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 again like Candyland. It's a really good sort of introductory game for very young kids to introduce them to the rituals of how to wait for your turn, uh, how to do a thing, you know that sort of thing. You know how to deal with winning and losing. There's also a dexterity game. Did you ever play Slamwitch? No, but I hear people talking about it all the time. It sounds aggressive. It is aggressive. It's one of those games where you can physically hurt the other players, especially if you have long fingernails, because there's a pile of sandwich ingredients going into the middle of the table, you know, lettuce and tomatoes and whatever, and uh, it's the bread. Once you have two pieces of bread, you have to slap the pile. Oh, so these are cards? Exactly. And uh, the, the, the deluxe edition of the game, the box actually is shaped like a piece of bread. It's great. Which is pretty hilarious. But uh, again, this could have been about anything. It could have been about just random colors and mm-hmm. shapes, just like uh, just like Candyland is. But the fact that they've added that to it um, gives it more visual appeal and makes it more memorable. One hundred percent. It's it's not just like games for younger kids too that do this. Yeah, one of the most popular games that we see being played all the time is Sushi Go, which oh, is yes. a it's a set collecting game where you're at. A sushi restaurant, and I sort of imagine it as one of those sushi restaurants with like the conveyor belts, right, right, the dim right, sum. that go around the bar, and then you just kind of like pick a little plate of whatever it is when it passes in front of you, because that's the whole sort of like mechanic of, su- of of sushi go. You have these cards with sushi on it, and you have it in your hand, and you pick one that you want to keep, and then you pass it along, and then it goes on and on and on. So it does rotate. You can like go back and listen to our belt. episode about uh, drafting a couple of weeks ago if you want to check in more detail about that. But yeah, but it could be about, it could have been about anything. Mm-hmm. It could have been about literally anything it could have been like you like a sandwich just colors green cards blue cards red cards here's the thing though if it had been about anything else would it be as popular yeah no people those, love sushi those adorable pictures of little smiling pieces of sushi just waiting for you to eat them i mean they don't know what's waiting for them it's a little grim i suppose when you think about it but most people don't think about it. it's like oh look the edamame is so cute the, the three little smiley faces oh and the, the wontons and the dumplings so smiley so happy to be here it's just ridiculously cute and well you know cute things and food things combined make it a pretty hard thing to resist uh earlier on i think wasabi has been out of print for a while now mm-hmm. but wasabi was an earlier game which had a similar kind of aesthetic it's just that the food wasn't smiling at you uh, it just looked really delicious mm-hmm. and uh you're mostly just uh it was a tile laying game you had a grid which was a bamboo mat and you took turns placing sushi ingredients on there and each player had this awesome sort of menu uh, and each of these menu had each of these menus would have three little cards on the inside, and those were the three sushi types you were trying to make. And uh, you have to get those three things in a row, or those four things in a row, or those five things in a row out on the mat. And you could see what you're working towards, and the other players couldn't. Best of all, it had these little plastic bowls. These you know, you know that that sort of r- yeah. black on the outside, red, red on, on the, the inside? inside type thing, yeah. and little cu- wooden cubes in the exact same green color as wasabi. And you could collect these, and those were bonus points. And the fact that you start the game with a little plastic bowl in front of you and you could collect the wasabi that immediately sold people on it even though they were just Love playing it. tic-tac-toe with sushi ingredients. Love it. The, the, the presentation of these games is so important and that really is all what it's all about. And there's others. Let's see. Do you ever play Candy Chaser? Yeah, the um, small children dealing 
candy like drugs in the playground they basically look like drug dealers yeah they have like the jackets that the 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 trench coats they look shifty and you open them up you want to buy a candy cane and it's a weird theme but Super weird. Really, it's all just about rolling dice and betting on a particular color being the one that's worth the most at the end. But yeah, because not only is there like an underground candy market, there's also an <laughs> underground candy stock market, and some candy is worth more, and it changes. You know, this, this all sounds super complicated. Here's how it actually works: you get a secret color. That's the color you want to do best. You roll a die, and it gives you a plus or a minus number, and that means you're going to pick a color and move that number up by the plus amount or down by the minus amount, and that's it. And there's these five different colors of candy that go up and down on this little board. You want your color to be doing better, but you don't want the other players to be able to guess which one's your color. Because they can call the teachers on you and you get busted. Mm-hmm. Tragedy. There's also a game they've been asked about a bit called Morels. Um, Is it about mushrooms? Yeah, yeah. It's about collecting. Ah, mushroom picking. It's, it, it, it's ah. got a really beautiful art style with this sort of wildernessy, all these different species of mushrooms that you're collecting. It, it looks like your fairly typical, you know, Euro style points optimization type thing. Mm-hmm. Like, if you like Jaipur, then there's a good chance you would like this. But, um, yeah, the food isn't really that important to these games, except in terms of presentation. But that's so huge, though. Mm -hmm. I mean, everything eventually, like, boils down to presentation. I mean, things don't sell if they're not appealing. Things don't Mm -hmm. get played if they're not appealing. You can't get people to even try something if it doesn't have Mm -hmm. a hook that's going to get them interested. Yeah, and there are so many amazing games that get, you know, like, put out of print or that just get ignored because they look so dry. So dry. Even if they're brilliant. Mm -hmm. uh, People aren't going to give it a chance if you don't have a hook. But um, it's not all just uh, the veneer and the flavor of food that goes in these things. There are actually, believe it or not, some games out there about eating food. Believe it or not, people have managed to make food consumption and production a pretty meaningful part of a lot of board games. And we're going to be talking about those on Wednesday. See you then. Mm